And the fans, in many instances, see it as their job to judge. Everybody say judge. To judge the speaker and to judge the musicians. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like this. Yada, yada, yada. And then they all check a box and they leave until the next performance. See you later, alligator. Pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust as always that the Lord's going to bless you up one side and down the others we fellowship together here for the next several moments. The message that I'm teaching you right now, I'm right in the middle of the end of a series that's dealing with the church. This is so very important. Perhaps the question has come up in your mind, if not, I want to put it in your mind, what does a real New Testament church look like? What does it look like? With all the different stripes and varieties of churches and religious institutions that we have dotting the landscape around our country, what does the real deal look like? What is it that is revealed to us in the Word of God to help us to know and understand what the church looks like? Here it is in a nutshell. Are you ready? Drum roll. First of all, they come together. They come together as learners. That's called discipleship. They are discipled. They learn about the Word of God, and then they're dispersed to go and live this and help others know and understand the Word of God. So we come, we're instructed, we go, we serve. And the ways that we serve, oh my goodness, there's too numerous to mention. Service is not just spouting off some memorized scripture to someone, but it entails loving and caring and nurturing and admonishing others in the power of the Spirit. Well, that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. You may have to listen carefully to pull some of this out. Our text passage for this particular series has been Ephesians chapter 4. I want to read two key verses in your hearing right now. We're going to jump right into the, the back end or actually uh, the conclusion of this series. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Listen very carefully. The Word of God puts it this way. It was He, that is Jesus, it was He who gave some to be, some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Look at verse 12. It tells us what these gifts are for. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. I trust that you are a part of the body of Christ and that you're sitting under some anointed teaching from these leadership gifts and that you are being equipped to go forth and do the work of the kingdom, God's kingdom work. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast by whatever means, and I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to their hearts by your word, Lord, and uh, move upon us from the inside out to go forth and to be about your business, your calling 
in our own life. In each individual life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you listen carefully. Thank you for being a part of New Life. Let me encourage you once again, if you haven't clicked on that little icon, if you're watching by uh, uh, YouTube, that you'd click on that little icon and uh, subscribe to our channel. It would be very, very helpful to us. God bless you. Hang on. I'll be back here in just a moment to wrap things up. is given in verse 12 and it is what I'm going to refer to as the service or ministry gifts and in parentheses we have out there watch this the get her done gifts alrighty the get her done gifts look at verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 4 to prepare God's people I trust that everybody looking back at me right now, whether you're looking eyeball to eyeball or by way of live stream, that you are born again and spirit-filled. What he's saying here is to prepare God's people, those born-again persons, to prepare them for works of service so that the body of Christ may be, watch this, built up. Say built up. Now, let me teach this to you like this. It's one of my famous parentheses. Stick with me or you'll get lost, okay? There is a lot of confusion among the church. In fact, as I look out this morning, I'm seeing some confusion. There's a lot of confusion among the church. How so, Pastor Terry? In that we have allowed, look at your neighbor and say allowed. We have allowed something to evolve that is really not reflective of that which is pictured in the New Testament. Hmm. Let me continue. Please don't be fooled into thinking or believing that just because you are sitting there and I am talking here that you aren't doing anything or that you are not purposed or designed and expected to do anything. Hmm? Why do I say that? Your role, your role, even here this morning, especially here this morning, is ever as important and significant as my own. I believe that, and I'm very passionate about that. In fact, that's one of the things that really thrills me as a pastor to know that you're not supposed to just be sitting out there like a bump on a log. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why I encourage you to be here. And there's a reason why I'm very passionate about you being here. And I'm going to try to help you understand that. Some persons, probably more by default than actually pondering an idea and making an outright decision, have the notion that you, as we would say back in my growing up days, that you go to preaching or you go to church in order to take a nap while the pastor just does his thing. Nervous laughter ensues. By the way, this would be a good time for you to poke your neighbor. 
There is no precedent in the New Testament for what I just described. A group of people just going somewhere and taking a nap while the preacher does his thing. Other than that one occasion when Paul preached all night long and Eutychus fell out of the window. Or you remember that story? That's a little loophole in, in my theory here, but uh, I, I encourage you to go read that on your own time. You'll still realize I'm telling you the truth. Listen, beloved, the task of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher, the leadership gifts can be reduced to instruction and encouragement. That's what we do, instruct and encourage, which insists, and this is very important you catch this, it insists that the task of the service gifts or the ministry gifts or the get or done gifts is, re is reduced to listening and learning. And then one more very, very important thing. When it comes full circle, you put that which is learned into practice. That's a novel idea, isn't it? You still hear say amen. amen. Listen, beloved, your role here isn't to take a nap. I ain't going back to that church. I know some churches where it is. Well, no. Nah. Hey, your role is not to come here and take a nap, but to learn and then live it out. That's your role. That's why you come. That's why I get excited about this. I get excited, beloved, when I hear preaching, in particular anointed preaching, in particular when I see a kind of a mild-mannered guy that stands up before a group of people and all of a sudden they, it's almost like they become someone different because of that anointing. I love that. And it challenges me. It stirs me. I know you find it hard to believe I'm stirred. Listen to this. Paul once wrote to young Timothy. And he said, and it's recorded in chapter 1, verse 18 of 1 Timothy. He says, my son, I give you this instruction. Does instruction make sense to you? It doesn't make sense to a lot of men. <laughs> Who needs this? I can figure out how to put this weed eater together. My son, I give you this instruction. You understand instruction at least intimates some kind of action. You wouldn't need instructions if you weren't going to do something. Amen? My son, I give you this instruction. Watch. Granted, and I'm cutting through a lot right here to try to move things along just a little bit. Some lessons are more caught than taught, which implies the teacher is simply living out life lessons more than he or she is speaking forth some lecture. If you study Jesus Christ's methodology, if you've gotten that deep yet to actually study his methodology in the New Testament, you'll realize that he taught, and when it was necessary, he used words. It's what Jesus did. It kind of looks like this. Hey, guys, come walk with me. Watch me, boys. I'll show you how it's done. Miracle, 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 miracle. Any questions? Are you with me? It's Jesus' methodology. Listen, this also implies that the learner, the disciple, the student is listening, that the student is paying attention, 
toward the end of willfully discerning some things. How many of you here this morning, you're paying attention, you're listening toward the end of discerning some things? Would you mumble, hallelujah? Number seven on your study notes. Here's the prevalent attitude or mentality in the average church that I've observed over the last many years. The prevalent attitude is this. It's to be likened to fans at a sporting event. You understand fans? Kind of a shortened version of fanatic. Someone's fanatic about a certain sporting event. It's like likened to fans. In other words, we have the stars, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastor, the teacher. We have the the stars up on the platform. And then we have the, the fans, the service gifts, and the chairs. And the fans, in many instances, see it as their job to judge. Everybody say judge. To judge the speaker and to judge the musicians. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't like that, I don't like this, yada, yada, yada. And then they all check a box and they leave until the next performance. See you later, alligator. Now bear with me. Will you bear with me? I want to tell you a story. It's a true story. In fact, nearly all of the stories I tell you on Sunday are true. I try to do that. I shall never forget as long as I am in my right mind, and I know some of you questioned that already, but I shall never forget sitting in the library of what was then John Wesley College on the campus of First Wesleyan Church in High Point, North Carolina. Watch this, young people. I was only 22 years old. Now, even if you are a young teenager, 22 is not that far removed from who you are, your age. I was only 22 years old. It was just days before my graduation from college. That in and of itself was a big deal because college wasn't a very uh, important thing in the history of the Knighton family. It was particularly significant for me in that I was about to experience several major milestones. Not only was I leaving the relative safety of the academic world that I had grown accustomed to over the past five long years, but also I was about to assume the role of pastor. How old was I? I was about to assume the role of pastor in a very full-time vocational sense. Now, at that time, I had already been preaching for about two and a half years. Started when I was about 19. Sister D and I would drive down to Haywood Independent Bible Church, and I would preach. It's about 68 miles from where we lived. It was tiring, but it was wonderful. I still hear from some of those people. Listen, beloved, for sure, I had observed pastors for many, many years. I had a lot of pastor friends at that time. I had a lot of pastor friends who were friends. I did. I had been trained in the fine art of homiletics, as you can probably tell. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah, I knew how to develop a, a, an outline, but what I wasn't sure about, and here's where I'm going with all of this, I, I wasn't sure about until this fateful moment in the library, I wasn't very sure about what God expected of me as a pastor. And here's what I would soon discover at that early age. Much of what God expected was overwhelmed and overshadowed by the expectations of God's people, what I might naively refer to as the church at that time. Now, I must tell you this. In some circles, pastors are revered. In some circles, pastors are put up on a pedestal. They're revered. In some circles, pastors are feared. We better do what he said. You better do what pastor said or else. It's kind of the way it works here, you know? <laughs> In some circles, pastors are sneered. I haven't had too many of those today. But some circles, that happens. In some circles, pastors are smeared. And for those reasons and many, many more, in some situations, the pastors themselves are scared. <laughs> and who could blame them? I would soon find out that the expectations of God's people weren't at all like the training I had received from my professors. Now here's why I took you on that little journey sitting there in the library of John Wesley College, Holy Spirit of God revealed something very, very important to me that afternoon. And that is this passage that I'm preaching to, which is one reason why it means so much to me. Holy Spirit re revealed to me my biblical, everybody say biblical, my biblical job description as a pastor. You understand what I'm telling you? I was getting ready to graduate from college. I was assuming this pastor that I'd been trained. I didn't necessarily see in the churches what I was seeing in the Word. But Holy Spirit helped me understand what my job description was, is. What it was and is and forever will be. If you're looking for a biblical job description. Now, the biggest contradiction between some folks and the Word of God is one little simple, subtle detail. Fill in number eight with me and you'll have it. And I want to change something here. I didn't word this the way I wish I had. The pastor teacher, and on your notes, I think it says PT, right? That's not Pastor Terry, that's pastor teacher. But uh, going forward, when you call me PT, I'm going to know what you're saying. Pastor teacher. Say amen right there. The pastor teacher definitely has his role or his work. Now, I know there are people in the community that will tell you, and trust me, I hear it seven times every week. Well, you don't work but one day a week. <laughs> yeah, that's why so many of you after my job. He definitely has his or her role, but that role is this, to train and equip 
the service gifts, would you draw brackets around non-leaders on your study notes and put a line through it and write service gifts over top of it? It's to train and equip these service gifts to know, please underline know, to know their role and engage, please underline engage, to engage their role, which is the work of the ministry. Now, let me cut that off rather quickly. Here's how you size up a good and successful New Testament church based on the Word of God. First of all, they come together as learners. Watch this. They don't just come together. They come together as learners. And then they learn. They come together as learners and then they learn. And then they're dismissed to go and serve. Does that make sense to you? At that juncture, the pastor, the speaker, the leadership gifts has to prayerfully discuss this. I have this discussion with myself nearly every Sunday afternoon and throughout the day on Monday. Did I instruct with divine truth? Did I put forth the good news? Did someone need care? I don't know how many of you I've hugged this morning, but it was on purpose. It was not an accidental hug. Did someone need care? Watch this. Did someone need a kick in the pants? The answer to that is yes. Always. You know why? Because people do. Yeah. Even Pastor Terry needs a kick in the pants every now and then. I've been here 24 years. I think twice in that 24 years. I'm kidding. Did I give them the truth? Did someone need some care? Did someone need a kick? Now, y'all go do what we preached. I'm going to take a breath, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to start prepping for next week to do it all over again. Are you with me? Here's what you should be praying. None of this fan, yay, great job, Here's what you should be praying. First of all, am I being instructed? If you aren't, come have a little talk with me. Am I being instructed by a messenger of God? Am I being instructed by someone with divine truth, not just cute little stories? Am I being instructed by a bringer of the good news? Am I being offered a steady diet of God's word? Is there someone in my life that has my back against the wolves uh, in case I need a hug or that swift kick that we just talked about. Is that person available? Do I have an instructor that is, a, is studied and approved and passionate about bringing it? That's what you should be praying, are you? Do I have opportunities to be instructed? I believe with all of my heart that every one of you have opportunities every week at New Life Community Church to be instructed. You have opportunities. Question is, are you putting yourself in position to be instructed? You know, the worst thing in the world is trying to teach someone that doesn't want to be taught. It's miserable. Miserable for them. Miserable for the teacher. But man, what a joy, 
when even one of your own children says, Daddy, I don't know how to do this. Show me how to do this. What daddy that's worth his salt wouldn't want to do that? That's great. As opposed to these knothead youngins that you can't teach them anything. You just want to kill them in Jesus' name. Am I being molded and shaped by the instruction and of my own volition purpose to put it to good use so that I might build up those people sitting around me and reach out to some that we haven't even met yet? Simple, isn't it? See, church isn't complicated. The world has made it complicated. Watch this. The reason they've made it complicated is so that they can skirt their responsibility and their role. And in many respects, that's what happens. We're trying to figure it out, the complexity of it. We miss the simplicity of it. I love it. That's going to draw to a conclusion of this particular series. Let me ask you before we go off tonight, let me ask you this very important question. Are you putting yourself in position to be instructed in the things of God. Are you sitting under anointed preaching and teaching whereby the Word of God is expounded, it's taught, it's communicated in such a fashion as you can hear it, uh, hear it in your spirit and allow it to transform your mind so that you might be able to understand what God has purposed for you and then be, being encouraged to go out and engage that which God has purposed for you. Are you putting yourself in that position? Now, let me say this. I am a huge fan of the church because I didn't invent the church. God did. And Jesus said that he was going to build the church in the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, a death. The grave is not going to come against his church. It's very, very important. But there's more to the church than just the gathering. There is also the dispersing the sending out, the going, the going forth into the community, into the valleys, if you please, sharing and showing forth the Word of God. Are you engaged in that process? I want to encourage you to be engaged in that process. I really believe that's when believers are the most fulfilled. It's when they're fulfilling God's purpose and plan for their life, which is knowing and understanding His plan, assimilating that into their own life, and then sharing it with others. Can you be encouraged to follow that calling and that plan and that purpose of God for your own life? Hey, let me tell you, New Life Community Church has a regular schedule of activities, and these activities involve times of encouragement and admonishing those to come together to build up one another in order that we might go forth and be about God's business. Uh, primary worship celebration is Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, and I am offering this as an invitation to you. If you do not have a church uh, home, a place where you regularly, and by regular I mean every week, you come together with God's people. Well, we're here, and we would encourage you to come out and, uh, and get involved in what's taking place here at New Life. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, something for the little kids. We call it KFC, something for the teens. It's called ETS5. Uh, there's a method behind all of those uh, acronyms, by the way. And then the adult CNC groups, our care and compassion groups, Wednesday night. 7 o'clock. Well, I'm going to have to get out of here. Thank you so much for listening in. I encourage you to pray for new life as we pray for you. And beloved, if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
you haven't believed that He is the Son of God and the only way that you can come to God, I encourage you to find Him as He seeks after you and to cry out to Him, to believe and to accept Him and to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here. I want to leave you with that encouragement this evening. God bless. I am Terry Knight, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you? Lord God.